Uncle Jarvis. Keeping up with the Joneses. Mrs. Jones. Yes, sir. Back with the librarian glasses. Well, I know how you love the glasses. You're ready to torment me. But I'm, because I'm going to have to read things off of my phone, so. Okay. I thought I would just leave them on. How the heck are you? It's nice to see you. That might sound odd. We haven't seen each other like such a busy week. Yeah, yeah, it's been a rough week. We've been like crossing each other ships in the night. Basically, we go to bed at night and go, "Oh hi." (laughs) (laughs) On that topic, yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. Episode two hundred fifty-eight. Welcome everybody. Weekly catch up, Jones. How was your week? Such a busy week. Well, tell me about it. Like I said, Um, I haven't really seen you. Yes. Well, taught sonship. You taught sonship uh, year two. Give, Give us a. Brief synopsis of Sonship. Oh, I mean, I know it takes you two days to that teach to me. it. Yeah, it takes it takes six sessions, and and then we barely squeak it in. So it's talking about the different that there's five different words that are used to describe or that we translate as son in the New Testament, five different Greek words. So in our and, English word, we just have one word, son. Mm. In Greek, they used five different words. Yeah, and so it's like nepios, pedian, technon, niniscos, huios, and they're all uh, what. You, all... you with your library glasses. <laughs> teaching me. I don't know what's going on. I'll try and keep it together. <laughs> keep, it, keep it together. Yeah. So they're all different stages of sonship. They're all sonship, but they're different stages of maturing. And we just look at what does it look like to be in that stage? What does it look like to be stuck in that stage? What do we do to get unstuck? Wow. Uh, what does being fully mature sons look like? Um, all that kind of stuff. So While you were teaching sonship, yep. I was teaching the joy of sexual wholeness. You were. In and what does one. that look like? <laughs> look, uh, it like there's no getting around it. It's hard because sexual sin is the sin that so easily entangles. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, lots of sin so easily entangles. But you know, Paul talks about it is like it's worthy of stopping and talking about it. And one of the challenges I always give the students is like, when was the last time you heard a message about sex in church? And for most people, the first time they hear it is on the school. Right. And it's not strictly true. I like to make the joke that the first time I heard anyone teach on sex in church was me speaking on sex in church. Right. And that's not true. I heard Jack Deere teach on it, but I wasn't in church. I got a tape recording of him teaching on it. Right, right. And so you spend a week talking about sexual dysfunction and uh, what it means, what's a biblical standard for holiness and why that's great and why that's not restrictive. And Yeah. And... Uh, I think the difference is like normally when we teach on the school, we teach them do ministry, teach them do ministry, teach them do ministry. Because all of the sexual sin is so entangled, we basically do four or five sessions in a row of just teach, 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 right. teach, it just teach, ramps teach, up, diagnose, it? diagnose, 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 mm. so that when we come to ministry, we're we're dealing with a whole lot at once and not just piecemeal. So right. that can be somewhat heavy stuff to go through. Sure, sure. Yeah, what and else? then. On the weeks that we teach, we're also having our meetings. Yeah, we still have all the other things that we still get yeah. done. and So it's a lot. It's a lot. It was slightly offset by the fact that um, Apple had a new fall conference. and they It was for you. Yes. It was for me. Yes. Was there nothing in there that you were interested well, in? Well, I don't know. I didn't get to watch it. Well, I, allow me to recap I made you. I made dinner and then had to take a child to work or pick up a child from work <laughs> or something. Well, you saw the new HomePod mini light colors. Yes, because you showed me the picture afterwards. What else did they announce? They announced MacBooks. Oh, AirPods, which we don't care about because we have the we AirPods have Pros. Them, yeah. yeah. Anyway, new Macs, which I'm super excited about, but I won't bore everybody with the details. Don't be too excited about it. <laughs> God can do eventually more than I ask or imagine. It's I'll be as true. excited as I want. All right, you just be excited if you like. Anything else? Um, I don't think so. No, that was it. 
Yeah. We taught. It's been and busy. Taught. Lots of meetings. Hi, I'm Alan. Have we met? Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I dropped the kids at youth last night, and instead of driving 20 minutes home, waiting at home for 20 minutes or half an hour and driving 20 minutes back, I sat in the car and nearly fell asleep. I just basically sat there kind of nodding off for an hour and a half and then went in and got them. I was like, let's go. <laughs> God yeah. bless them. Yeah. Okay. We have done five things we didn't know about marriage. Yeah. We've talked about five things we didn't know about having kids. We did, yeah. I asked what other five things people would like to us to wax lyrical about. And uh, this week we're going to talk about five things we didn't know about ministry or being in ministry. Okay. Do you want to go first? I went first last time. I want you to go first. Oh, but you really thought through your list. <laughs> this week has been so crazy that I literally had two things. <laughs> Can I tell them what you told yeah. me before we started recording? So, like, we're, we, you know, we're just... It, about to come downstairs to the studio and I'm just briefing AJ, you know, literally we have really not seen much of each other this week. So I said, hey, babe, remember that we're talking about five things we didn't know about ministry. She's like, I've got two. I said, <laughs> I've already got two. Then this I'll, is pray, like 10 I'll, minutes. I'll pray that your journey downstairs is productive yeah. and revelatory. But so I have five. You have five. That's I do. See God was but I'm, I'm not sure yeah, that they're as well thought through as yours, because I'm sure that so you much pressure deliberated. Why? It's so much pressure. I didn't okay. deliberate. All right, I, I sat down, and wrote five. All right, well, I can go first if you want. Go first, and then you'll like you'll like rein it in with like the joy and stuff. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> Was this a bad week for us to talk about? This is ministry? probably this has been such an intense week, All right. uh, with lots of things to deal with. So. Tell me about your um, five things you didn't know about ministry. Okay, number one, that as a leader, we collect all the judgments of all the previous leaders before us. So it's like... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's just stop. Let's get into <laughs> care of your week. Right? <laughs> Unpack but, that, though. Well, well uh, so, I mean, and this is something we tell the small group leaders as well. Like, hey... When you start leading a small group, like when you step into authority, mm -hmm. you represent for the people that you're leading authority and any undealt with judgments that they have from dealing with authority, including parents. So you are their dad, their mom, their pastor, their whatever, whatever things that they haven't dealt with. Yeah. You're a walking representative of their heart. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. So did I know that about stepping into ministry? No, I didn't. I was just like, yay. And I would say... Even like, I mean, the, my first eight years of ministry was itinerating. I didn't really encounter it itinerating. Itinerating, you just blow into a church, blow up the church sometimes, or hopefully encourage poor Itinerating, you're Father Christmas. You come right. in, you share some gifts, you leave, you don't right. have to deal with any of the right. fallout. Yeah. But when once you start, once you're like settled in one spot uh, and you, you now represent that person for them, uh, I that's was one of the things that I had no and idea. It's, uh, and because of that revelation, it's one of the first things we teach the people we're training to be leaders. Yeah. It's like, hey, here's a dynamic to be aware of. Yeah. That often you will become the target of everybody's previous judgments regarding, as you say, authority figures, passive teachers, leaders. Yeah. And, and also, a fun thing to factor is you've got your own judgments that mm -hmm. will also, you'll read yes. through the people that you're leading. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a cheery one. Yeah. What's number two? Number two is I never thought about um, the the whole thing of your whispers or shouts. Like, you know, that as a leader, you can't be flippant. You can't, like, like you may be sitting there joking around about something, but because you're a leader, it becomes 
you know, become something else. Like people will take things out of mm-hmm. context or whatever. So you're, there's like a level of responsibility for, for what you communicate, how you communicate, what you like on Instagram, you know, all that kind of stuff that doesn't exist before you're actually in ministry or in leadership. And just like having to actually process that through. Uh, well, have a, like an extra step of thought about yeah. what you do say where. Yeah. And like, to be honest with you, I'm fine with it, but I never realized I would need to think about that. Do you remember when you l- realized that that was a dynamic? Was there an event, a situation, something that backfired that you were like, oh. I think there was a few things that I watched backfire, not so much that uh, were things that I said, although I'm sure it's happened. I Like, I can't think of anything, but I'm sure it has. But where I have been part of a team where I watched something, oh, that I was there. I know that person was joking, but it was taken as, you know, not gospel, but you know what I mean? It was taken and just like, oh, yeah, because you know, you're a leader now. So you're, when you say something, it's just taken a little differently. It's that great line that Dan Farley taught us about Mm -hmm. you're way too powerful to joke like that, or you're way too powerful to share something like that. You're, you know, uh, I remember a a prophetic dream. I forget his name. Was it Stephen? He was at a morning star. Thompson. Steve Thompson. And he had a dream that he was on a building site and that people were throwing all sorts of power tools at him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why, why are we throwing these things at me? And he just kind of looked around at something he could use to defend himself. And he found a tiny screwdriver that he picked up and he threw. And the tiny screwdriver pierced somebody. You know, it did so much damage where all these power tools missed him. And the Lord was saying to him, like, you know, as a prophetic minister, like your words have more power. There's more authority. Make sure you use your words mm. for good and not for bad. I never forgot that. I was like, yeah, we need to be... So careful. And it's a privilege, I think. Like, yeah. like I'm, I just didn't know about it. But I, I don't feel like, oh, man, you know, I, I, I feel like it, it is a privilege. And, and also we need to just stay aware. Mm-hmm. I've learned that dynamic the wrong way mm-hmm. where I might be like, I remember one, one weekend uh, I was taking a group of men away for a men's weekend. Mm. And, you know, if you've watched, if anybody's in our sphere, you'll watch like the camaraderie that, say, me and Jeff have or mm-hmm. me and Josh Parsons have, where you know, we've got a long history together. Where we'll be making jokes back and forward. And so, a lot of the jokes that we'll make are benign. They're like on the scale of like from one to 10. They're like, you know, between zero and one in terms of, offensiveness Mm. but if you are new to our culture perhaps if you're new to a culture where you're not used to pastors behaving that way seeing a pastor say or joke or josh about something that's as like a one might seem like a seven or an eight Mm. and so what happened this week i I took a group of guys away many who i didn't really know that well and one of the guys in an effort to kind of build camaraderie i guess makes like the most inappropriate comment ever that I would say is like an eight or a nine. And when I, you know, confronted him about that when I was like, what are you doing? He was like, what? Like I see you and you and Jeff or you and Josh, you know, make jokes. And we're like, never like that. But the disconnect for him was, oh, to see my pastors make a funny joke about. Right. And I'm just making a funny and joke. And I'm making a funny right. joke. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. We like, yeah, you can't be doing that. Yeah. 
And I mean, I mean, one of the things we that goes along with this that we tell the small group leaders is you're being watched all the time, mm-hmm. which is like that can sound really creepy. But the truth is you are, yeah. you know, who you like, who you follow, where you show up. Yep. All that stuff. All of that adds endorsement, even if it doesn't mean yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really funny because when uh, this this is an interesting, nobody has said anything to me about this yet. But I had enough curiosity this week with events. For example, I'm not sure I want to go into that. Let me tell you the thing without my for example. Okay. When President Trump was in power, mm. I followed President Trump on Twitter mm. because I think it's important I know what my president is saying. Mm. I don't have time to watch every news clip and everything. But me following President Trump on Twitter, I'm sure said something to some people. Like I'm sure that adds meaning. Back to my whole storytelling thing. Yeah. Right? The fact is I'm following President Trump. The story that people could write about why I'm following President Trump varies. Will vary depending on where you are. Yeah. Now that President Biden is in power, I follow President Biden on Twitter for exactly the same reasons. I want to know what our president is communicating. I don't read newspapers. I'm not. Right. And that equally will have stories yes. attached to it. And it's just, yeah. It's, and, and then what's interesting is when does boundaries kick into that? When does like your, when does your responsibility to lead people well end and begin with, what you say, where, go. Do you know what I mean? Like you want you you want to use wisdom. Jesus is very clear about that. You don't want to cause somebody else to stumble. And at what point is their stumbling their responsibility, your responsibility? We should do a whole topic on that. Maybe. All right, number three. I love the way you said maybe, the most non committal answer. Number ever. Three. That meant no. We will not um, talk about that. I just realized that my number two wasn't actually on my list. So I have six, so I'm trying to ditch one. Overachiever. Give all six. I'm uh, on this one. Okay, well, I mean, some of them are kind of shorter. Like one, uh, I feel like pastoring is essentially parenting adults. You know, like unpack that. <laughs> well, it you know maybe I more encountered this when it's young young adults, but basically you're reparenting. You're sort of trying to restructure. You absolutely are uh, people inside a world where the Bible is is relevant and mm-hmm. and all that. Kind of, but a lot of it just feels the same as it doesn't feel that different. From parenting little kids. You're repeating the same thing over and over again. You're giving grace to figure it out, to make mistakes, yep. to let your heart expand, to to work that whole thing out. And then you're coming along and you're helping them, you know, make decisions and, you know, all that kind of stuff. My only concern with what you just said, in yeah. light of what you said in number two, is yeah. that could sound horribly patronizing. And knowing your heart, well, you that's don't why, mean that yeah, patronizing. No. no, I don't. I just mean like, oh, like, I think because... No, I don't mean it patronizing. I just was like, oh, like actually it kind of helped me. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think because I'm thinking in terms of sonship as well, like I, everybody is in some stage of maturing. Yep. And basically as as pastors, what we're trying to do is help people get to the next stage of maturing, mm-hmm. which is the, to me the same as what we're doing with our kids. Right. It's just that you know, there are our actual biological children. The, 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 the other thing that you mentioned about like it feels like, reparenting like you're right because you know fatherlessness is a huge thing right and even if people have fathers and mothers and fathers a lot of the things that we work with people is the wounds from their parenting so there is an element of parent i love what uh, we have a pastor at our school called matt krauser i love what matt says that like part of the joy of his job is he gets to give people a different experience of authority yeah so he gets to meet with people 
who got an expectation of how a pastor should respond. Right. And he gets to respond in a different way and write a new story for them, yeah. which I think is beautiful. Oh, I love that too. Okay, so you had a bonus one. What was your next one? Um, what, what are we at? Number well, four? Well, that was three. So now we're at four. I didn't know how much ad admin would be involved. <laughs> I nearly put that one down. Seriously, though. like, So it's really funny to me because often people will ask questions that are equivalent of, like, what do you do Monday to Friday? You know, we when, see you on the platform like, on when Sunday. When it's not Sunday, what do you? Yeah. And I'm just like, good heavens! Like, you know, what do I do? <laughs> I can't even tell you all the things I'm doing Monday. Uh, Sunday's my lightest day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I was just thinking that, like, it, it's because it's one of the again, it's one of the things when we've brought on ministerial assistants or whatever, uh, and we just prep them like, hey, being up on that platform, that's less than ten percent of what you do. Way less. Uh, and so, you know, just. Be aware of that mm -hmm. because I think some people, the lure to being ministry is is the platform. Like, oh, I get to share, you know, great. You also get to prep. You also get to, I mean, there's all the other you also things. You get to pray. You get to counsel. You right. get to meet with people. You get to put out fires. You get to answer emails. You, you get, get to, to plan. Yeah. You get to troubleshoot. You right. get to meet with attorneys. You get you, to right. fight fires. Like, yeah. it's, yeah it's, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. So, uh Anyway, that was one of my things was mm -hmm. like, oh, there's a lot more uh, admin or behind the scene type stuff than than I that, thought. All of that makes sense because without ever being in ministry, your only exposure to ministry is the public face of ministry. It's Sunday morning. Which is I come and I listen to a speaker. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't think either of us were naive enough to imagine that's all they did and that no. Monday through Friday they were kicking back drinking pina coladas. Right. But I get. I didn't know how much. But it was funny. Like I was, was talking to Shannon today, and I was like, you know, because I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, like, have you ever had anybody be like, "What do you do the rest of the week?" And she's like, "Yep." Like, so it's like a thing, you know, because yeah. I've been asked that so many times, like, "Oh," and you know, and when the school's not in session, like, "What do you do in the summer?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> Well, I only work 40 hours a week in the summer. That's what I do, you know? So, uh, yeah, so it's things like that. Uh, so that was my, was that my four? So five, uh, I didn't know that I would spend so much time crying over people. Your eyes have gone glassy. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Well, uh, do I want to talk about that? Sure. Well, I just mean like, Crying over people, whether it's crying over people that you've poured into and you're watching them walk away from the Lord and you you don't get to make a better decision for them. So you just have to watch them walk this horrible path and hopefully, you know, and just pray that they make their way back mm -hmm. and wait, you know, and then just cry over things that happen to people that you're like, oh, I, I love this person. I hate that this has happened. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know. Yeah, I just, I didn't realize I'd spent so much time crying over, you know, other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's good. I mean, it, you know what I mean? Like on one level, it's like, yeah, because you love those people. Yeah. But, uh, and, and some seasons are worse than others, but. Some seasons are better than others. Some seasons are better than others. Yeah. yeah. I'm just helping write the ship. <laughs> well, I just mean like, uh, you know, you have your weeks where it's like, oh. It feels like there's so many things this week that it's like, I, you know, I'm crying with the Lord about, oh, I'm so sad that that happened. Mm -hmm. And then there's lots of great things that happened too. Um, but I think I just didn't expect that part of it. Like, I, I don't know why, but I didn't. Well, I think also because both of our ministry lives 
largely started out itinerant. Right. Which so you don't really know people's. No, you're, you're not you're, there to you're walk not out the there. Rest yeah. with them. Yeah. So for those of you who are not familiar with the phrase itinerant ministry, I never was when you described yourself as an itinerant ministry. An itinerant minister is somebody who visits churches, conferences, events. So just they kind of fly in, they speak, they share, like kind of a conference yeah. speaker. Yeah, yeah. Whereas our role is we're in a local church. We the same local church for the last thirteen years, is that yeah. right? And so you're with people and like you know, 13 years in one sense is not a huge amount of time. In another sense, you know, for us pastoring 20s and 30s, we've got people that we've pastored who arrived fresh out of high school, who then got married. Some of them are now having kids. Like a lot of life happens in yeah. 13 years. Yeah. Um, and I think I think as, as you're saying that, like I think some of the crying part of it is because you love people. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking did I encounter this before I went to full-time ministry? Yes, I did with my small group, you know, or whatever, like in youth leadership, like when, when those people would be having a hard time crying with them and, and whatever. And I just think, uh, again, maybe the more lives that you get to touch, the more, uh, people you fall in love with, the more, you know, there's the potential for more, more crying with them. Well, the more investment, the yeah. more you love someone, the more you open up your heart to being hurt. Yeah. Thanks, Chip Dodd. Yeah, thanks, Chip. Do I get to do my number six? Yeah, give me your bonus number six. My bonus number six is that the best thing ever is to be able to do what you're called to do and that you get the grace for everything else. Unpack like, that. Well, like, I know, I know I'm called to be a ministry. I know I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm not looking for... Like one day I'll do what I'm called to do. I'm I'm doing it. Yep. I'm I'm built to build people and I get to do that. And it's amazing. And so all the other things that feel like harder than doing the stuff that feels easier, like the teaching and walking alongside people kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you the grace comes along to do all of the other parts. Mm-hmm. Good list. Thanks. No. Six, baby. Six, yeah, you overachieved. That's right. On the stairs, 12 stairs, four points. <laughs> All right, what have I got? What I've got, got number one. Oh, I was thinking about this. What's one of the things I've learned about ministry that I didn't know before? Yeah. And number one would be team is more important than gift. Oh, yeah. Really good. Your team is more important than your gift. And I was thinking about that. I was like, is that true? And then I think about Jesus. Jesus was, is the most gifted person ever. Like Jesus could have come to earth and accomplished his whole ministry without the need of the disciples. Mm-hmm. Didn't need him. Yeah. Absolutely could have accomplished everything. Still, it doesn't even need us. And yet Jesus chooses his team over his giftedness. Mm. I love it. And in fact, trained up his people to do what he was doing. And I actually had confidence that they would do, uh, you know, because I got the Father, greater things than these you'll do, because, which is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus prioritizes his team over his gift, and I think that's that's a lesson I didn't know. And I love I love watching that. Like I love my kids are now in youth ministry, and I just want to brag on our youth leaders. So like Brett and Shaley, Ratliff, who are our youth pastors, amazing leaders, mm-hmm. amazing leaders in their own right. And one of the things that they've done so brilliantly is they've consistently, year after year after year, raised up an amazing team that they then empower. So, like, last night at youth, it wasn't Brett or Shaley who spoke. 
mm-hmm. was Becca who spoke. Yeah. And I'm like, I love, I, like, I love that. I love, you know, their priority on their team. Even like, I love the way we do worship. We made a concerted effort in, you know, in the hiring of Josh and Sarah Parsons, whom neither are worship leaders, which like most churches would hire a worship leader to run the worship mm-hmm. department. But the beauty of of Josh and Sarah's approach to ministry is they're they're they are gifted individuals. I mean, Josh and Sarah are gifted sure, people, absolutely, and they prioritize their team over their gift, and we benefit because of that. Yeah, I think about uh, every year when our students go on outreach, I love that in the four weeks that the students are on outreach, they are more effective than we are. Uh, as in for, for yeah they're for touching us, such a wider they're touching group of six people. nations yeah. and and ministering way more effectively than we could and i just like i love that whole ministry multiplication model so good didn't know that before i started in ministry number 2 is uh, similar to what you said most ministry happens off the platform yeah most of the ministry happens off the platform yep and another thing i'll throw this in for free Probably for every hour I minister on the platform, there's minimum of 10 hours of preparation before. Oh, yeah, for sure. So even when you do see the ministry in action, a lot of stuff has happened. But let's take like the vast majority of my ministry at Grace Center is invisible. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I've done a lot of speaking on Sundays this year, in, in part because of the strange year that we had with Jeff being out caring for his family. But on a, a general week, the, the main focus of our ministry is not platform-based. No, it's all it's behind the scenes. behind the scenes. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that, mm-hmm. and I, I loved that. I got a little insight into that, traveling with John and Carol, mm-hmm. because before I knew John and Carol as these public f- figures who stood on a stage. But then being with them and traveling with them and accompanying them when they were doing that, I also, John was so generous with his time that he let me in on all the meetings he would take while on the road. And I realized how much um, ministry would happen in seemingly random moments, Mm. in coffees, in conversations, how much strategic stuff would happen on planes, you know, conversations that you would have phone calls. And I didn't know that before Mm. I started ministry. I should have known that because when you read the Gospels, so much of Jesus' ministry is not public facing. Mm. No, no, that's, I find that fascinating. Number three, the cost of leadership is being misunderstood. Like the burden of being a leader, the burden of being a ministry, the price you pay for that is being misunderstood. Can and, I go now? I want to go. <laughs> no, do, you, do you disagree? <laughs> no, no, I don't disagree at all. And yeah. And you have to make peace with that. You have to make peace with... You're going to burn yourself out and be an ineffective leader if you're constantly having a run around and correct what you think people think about you is wrong. Right. Like, right. You just have to love people really well, aim in the right direction. I'm not saying you never have to clean up your messes or you don't have to re-clarify things. No, you absolutely things. have to clean up your you messes. You do, but I'm yeah. just saying, hey, bear in mind, like, I, I mention this when I am you know teach all the time, like, as a pastor, it's not my job to make sure people are happy with me as a pastor. If it was, I would burn out. Right. Just this week, I had to chuckle. We were having a discussion. We were having a discussion about, uh, you know, I know of people who have left Grace Center because we're way, in their in their head, I, I'm leaving Grace Center, it's way too liberal. And the reason I laugh at that is, this we also week, have people, I had yeah. conversations with people like, the reason I'm leaving Grace Center is just, it's way too right. It's way too conservative. And I'm like, these people have experienced, 
experience the same the same church experience. Right. And they've come to radically different outcomes. Yeah. And, you know, that's part and parcel of the cost of can't fix that yeah, for you. Made, made peace with it. And it's not that I'm indifferent to the, the fallout of that and the hurt that it causes, but we have to understand, yeah, that's that's part of the cost of doing business. Number four. I knew this verse before I ever knew what it meant. Unless the Lord builds a house, the labors labor in vain. Mm. There is equally, there is so much stuff that you can get accomplished that is not the Holy Spirit at work. Right. Just out of giftedness. Giftedness. Strategy, strategy, whatever. oh yeah. yeah, and then equally, there's so much stuff that you can do that never goes off the ground because the Holy Spirit's not breathing on it, and mm-hmm. discerning which is which is a mystery. One of my favorite, you know, I mentioned John and Carol, pastors of a Toronto, uh, Toronto Airport Vineyard, Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, now Catch a Fire Toronto, mm-hmm. a church that that uh, revival hit in 1994, impacted the whole world, and. I don't know how many million people came through the doors of the church. But I remember people, everyone would go, people would always want to ask John one question, why your church? And he would just giggle. And he said, honestly, you think it was because of our master planning, our brilliant strategy, our marketing program that got people there? Like, no, it wasn't. Like, why our church? I don't know why our church. Perhaps we're at the end of a runway, so it was easy to, to get to. I, I don't know the answer to the question. I've got some thoughts. I don't think John and Carol would ever talk yeah. about themselves but sure. i think part of the reason so is who they are who they are and they are all about creating space mm-hmm. for the holy spirit but nevertheless my point was that you know the holy the smartest thing you can do as a minister is partner with what the holy spirit wants to do rather than do what you think you should do and ask him to bless it yes you know allow god to plan your blessings rather than asking to bless your plans good i like it i feel like you're rushing me i'm not okay. i'm just trying to Say something other than, yep, yep. <laughs> you could say diplodocus. Uh, okay. You could say osteoporosis. There's so many words you could say. You're right. I'll use osteoporosis next time. Okay, number five. And maybe this is hard. Maybe this is what prompted your tears. It certainly, it certainly prompted mine over the years. Is after, I don't know how many years we've been in full-time ministry. We've been at Grace Center for 13 years. But I still cannot tell the condition of the soil of people's hearts. Mm. And what I mean is if you were to line up a hundred people and to ask me, hey, Alan, you've got some experience, you know, in the church and with leaders, you know, like who who do you think are going to be, who, you know, after 10 years are going to be going for the Lord? Who do you think is, you know, going to be in a state of moral decline? Who do you think is going to absolutely shipwreck their faith? Impossible for me to tell. Right. I have, in the 13 years that I have helped raise leaders, I heard somebody at Bethel once say, you know, what we found is you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince. And what I mean by that is I've we have led a school mm. for over 10 years mm-hmm. where we have poured some of the best resources into people mm-hmm. and watched some people radically get transformed only to stay transformed, only to produce incredible fruit. Mm. And then we've seen some people get radically transformed and burn out and within a year are no longer walking with the Lord. Yeah. And we've seen some people seemingly produce zero fruit during the school. They're just slow, steady, no amazing testimonies. Checking with them five years later, they're still slow and steady. They're still producing amazing fruit. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... I used to think that I would be able to pick good leaders. Nope. You know. Do the best you can. Well, 
Osteoporosis. <laughs> I, I just think that's a fascinating dynamic that only God knows the the quality of the soil of people's well, hearts. I, I think so, yes, but I also think it's because we're individually responsible for keeping our soil. Yes. Right? Tilling our soil. So, uh, and I don't mean you and I are responsible for anybody else's. I mean, I'm responsible for mine. You're responsible for yours. Like keeping the soil, you know, fertile and mm-hmm. keeping relationship and dealing with my stuff and whatever. And I think that's where it gets tricky because it sort of depends on uh, all the things that aren't dealt with. Like if you were to have five people that all have, you know, great soil, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, but you have two or three of those people where the soil's really great right now, but there's a whole bunch of, there's a beach ball worth of stuff that they've pushed down, never dealt with, blah, blah, blah. If all five of those people hit trauma, the beach ball people are probably in trouble, mm-hmm. right? And so the soil, that's going to become like the least important thing in that season. Do you, do you know yeah. what I mean? So I, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, you can't, you can't tell. And you could be looking at what you're seeing in this snapshot in this moment is like, no, that's accurate. These, these mm-hmm. people are all full on, but it's also, you don't have the, all the other stuff to know how are they going to walk out the future? I read a fascinating comment on Twitter. I think I probably saved it. So if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But this, I think it was a pastor or leader who just said, in my years of experience, I've determined that nothing reveals the character of a Christian faster than them not getting what they want. Yeah. And I would I would agree with that. That's a great litmus test. Mm. Uh, two, two great litmus tests that I've discovered doesn't help you future, you know, like looking at the future, but does help you in the process is how people handle power mm. and how people handle pain. Yeah. And what, and what they do with that. Osteoporosis. <laughs> yes, you're really holding on to that one. <laughs> Anything else you want to say around what we didn't know in ministry? Uh, no. No, because you overachieved. You had yeah, six I, out of five. I had six, so I already, you know, I threw my information into the ring. All right. Well, I have a listener's question for you. Well, actually... You know, you always do this to me, so I think I have a listener's question for you, assuming I can read the type. Ooh, I can. See? Glasses. All right, hit me with your question. All right, here it is. This is a question from Kendra, and she says, My husband and I were having a conversation the other night about being able to hear from God. In other words, does God speak to us outside of what Scripture says? I believe that, yes, We have a two-way conversation with the Lord, and one of the ways that we can do that is through journaling, which you both have highlighted in previous podcast episodes. My husband, on the other hand, thinks that method is too subjective. How do you know uh, if you're hearing from God and it's not just last night's pizza or your own thoughts? His main point, though, uh, is why would God have trouble speaking to us? He might be well, okay. So there's tons of questions in here. I I, I imagine there's lots of question marks there. And handily, you have broken down actually what are the numbers of questions. You're welcome. That are contained within the right. question. So, so we're we, going to do question by question. Can we do it that way? All yeah. Right, go for it. So here's the first one. Okay. Does God speak to us outside of what Scripture says? Yes, God does speak to us outside of Scripture. Okay. Yes, absolutely. The whole Bible is a record of God speaking to his people outside of the Bible. The whole Bible 
is a record of God speaking to people outside of what's written. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the second question is, how do you know you are hearing from God and it's not just pizza or your own thoughts? Well, the notion that you wouldn't need to, to discern that if God spoke clearly to you is an error of understanding. Because there's plenty of examples of God speaking really clearly and people still missing what God was saying. Right. So Mark one twenty nine. Sure. When 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 Mary when the angel shows up to Mary. Luke one twenty nine. Luke one twenty nine, thank you. Luke one twenty nine. The angel shows up, speaks audibly to Mary, and it, it says that, you know, Mary pondered, oh, well, you know, what could this message mean? Yeah, right. So even though there was clarity, there was still subjectivity. Yeah. To it like ah. Like again, how so that's a real thing. Right. There's a there's an example in scripture where, where God spoke audibly and it, and the people, you know, some people thought it was an angel, some said it was thunder, they right. still missed it. Right, right, right. So my point is no matter how clear the message is, again, we have a Bible full of examples of God speaking clearly to his people and his people still not getting the message. Yeah. But to answer the question of like how do you know it's not just pizza, how do you know it's not just subjective? Scripture gives us ways to test that. Right. That's why we're told to test every word, to weigh every word. Right. And you filter it through the word. Oh, absolutely filter yeah. through the word. We've we've talked about that ad nauseum. And yeah. so uh, if you just go to our podcasts and search for Hearing God's Voice, you'll hear us talk all about how do you do that. But right. provision in Scripture is made for that. Okay. Number three. Yep. Why would God have trouble speaking to us? That's such a great question. And God would not have trouble speaking to us. We would have trouble listening to him. Yeah, hearing which, him. Which, again, mm-hmm. the whole Bible records. Like, mm-hmm. one of the most curious passages in all of Scripture is the Exodus. So the people have just been freed in spectacular ways. You've had all the plagues, mm-hmm. you had separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, then a miraculous release. Mm-hmm. You know, the... Pillar of fire. Well, the sea parts. Sea and parts. Then, yeah, pillar of, all the whole. All yeah, of that. All and of then that. Moses is like, hey, stay right here. I'm going to go speak to God who did all this for you. I'll be right back. Don't do anything dumb. Right. In the time that he's gone, he's like, God has abandoned us. Let's just quickly build an altar. Does he even know that we're still here? And you're just like, how did you go from... And that wasn't a problem at God's end. He had... He was present in their midst, spoken very clearly, demonstrated with signs, wonders, and miracles, and still people left. Yeah. But the answer to that question can be answered by Job 33, verse 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man does not perceive it. Mm. So the problem isn't with God speaking, it's with us being able to discern that he's speaking. And I like to say that my problem in learning to hear God's voice is that I had to learn how God spoke rather than demand that he speak the way I already hear. Mm. So that's where the problem lies, not not at God's end. It also makes me think of that old story about, you know, somebody's stuck in a flood and they're on the roof of their whatever flooded house mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, you know, come, come God, like, come rescue me. And somebody goes by in a canoe and their person's like, no, no, it's good. God's going to rescue me. And somebody goes by in a motorboat and then somebody comes by in a helicopter. And, and it's like, well, God, where are you? You know, and we, we just keep missing him because we think it's supposed to, we think we know what it's supposed to look mm-hmm. like. Anyway, question number four. And by the way, bravo for embedding four questions in one. Right. I love that. It's brilliant. This is the epic question answer yeah. scenario right number here. Number four. What's number four? 
Why would something like sin or UGBs prevent us from hearing what the Lord is saying if God didn't have trouble getting across what he wanted to get across to the people in the Bible? Well, that question is based on a faulty premise that okay. God had no problem getting a message across to the people. Of the time. Like David was a man after God's own heart. Right. And so the question is, why would sin get in the way? Well, David sins with Bathsheba and is so deaf to the voice of God that the prophet has to come to him and explain to him what he's done in a parable about like this, you know, this rich young man, and he steals this lamb, and it's the right. only lamb, and he slaughters it. And David is incensed, not even seeing the most elementary word picture ever. Right. And so the prophet has to go, that man is you. Yeah. So why does sin, like why would God have a problem? You know, why would sin block it? I don't know, because that's one of the problems of sin. It keeps us from God. That's why we need to Savior. Yeah. yeah, it keeps us from hearing. Yeah, Absolutely. For sure. Um, the same example that I just read about the, you know, the, the, Israelis being set free, the Hebrews, sorry, being set free yeah. from Egypt. Like, why were they kept from hearing what they were supposed to see? They'd just seen the most miraculous displays. And that is the problem of our ungodly beliefs. If we have an ungodly belief that God won't speak to us, mm. then, you know, God could speak to you all you want. Like, I had dreams of God speaking to me before I ever realized it was real. I, in fact, I remember, I've told this story before, wondering whether God spoke in dreams. Mm. And, uh, and I had a dream mm-hmm. that I thought, oh, that's so weird, but I'll write it down. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks later, the dream that I wrote down literally happened. And it helped me understand, oh, God is speaking through that dream. Mm-hmm. Prior to even the Holy Spirit giving me grace to wonder if he had, I would have just dismissed that. Yeah. When we when we talk about hearing God or, or operating the prophetic, we talk about you, you having a filter that we hear through. Mm-hmm. And sin clogs the filter, right? Yeah. So... When we have active sin in our life, then we find, oh, uh, I actually uh, that I'm not having checks in the spirit, so we think we're okay. Well, it's actually because we stopped listening to those a little while ago. Yeah, you know, like we we become numb and dull to all of the ways that we would even be right. able to uh, receive information. But that question is kind of like asking, like, you know, why aren't people transformed when they've got the Bible now and they could just read it? Right. It's like, well, because you have to read it, you have to apply it. Yeah, you have to take it in, you have to right. let it change you, yeah. you have to... Don't yeah. be just readers of the Word, but do what it says. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's entirely plausible. I, I love where you're coming from. Um, what was Kendra. Kendra's husband. I love where you're coming from. That, yeah. Like, hey, if God's all-powerful, like, why can't he speak to us? Oh, he can. he can. It's that we're hard of hearing. It's why there's constant instructions in Scripture to incline your ear. Right. To look to see what the Lord will say. Like, yes. God is speaking, and you know we can ignore him. The psalmist says that the heavens declare the handiwork of God, and yet many people don't believe that God is real, even though God is speaking and declaring his handiwork through the stars. So yeah, great series of questions, so Kendra good. and Kendra. Thank husband. you. Thanks for sharing them. Hope those answers are helpful. AJ Jones, oh no, you took my phone. You can now be responsible for okay. it. Okay. Uh, if people want show notes, where would they get show notes? AlanandAJ.com slash 158. 258. Slash 258. I loved it because you looked so proud of yourself. You were like like this performing monkey, performing okay. seal. Then you missed it by 100. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know what? There's grace. There's, There's grace. So much grace. That was 258. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you would like to become a member of the show, if you would like to watch the videos behind all these episodes, if you would like to receive discounts on our courses, if you'd like priority Q&A. If you want to see Alan's hair. 
right now. Weekly catch up. One of the things I didn't do was get haircut. And I kind of like it when it's like long like you this. You do. Yeah. It's just impossible to manage. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, I feel for you. Wow, because it takes you like five minutes to do your hair instead of two. I deserve that. <laughs> if you would like to see my hair and it's His impeccable hard to manage glory, hair. <laughs> go to alanandaj.com slash join to learn about how you can become a member. Support the show from as little as $1 an episode. Yeah. And If you want to ask us a question. Oh, yeah. If you want to like ask Kendra us a question. Did? Go to alanandaj.com slash ask. You can also follow us on all the social networks. Not all of them. Just the big three. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alan and AJ. There you go. Have a great week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day, from Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me, Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.